Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. If you're new to the Church RC or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thechurchrc.com. Or we'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Church RC app, available for free wherever you download your apps. Now here's Pastor Brian Sparks. A series called Don't Do Life Alone, and, and I'm excited to preach to you today. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 9. We're going to read verse 1 through 7, 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 7. And it says this, now David, now David, just so you know, he was the king, said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul? Now Saul was the previous king, just, so, just in case you don't know who this guy is, that I may show him kindness for his son Jonathan's sake. And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? He said, at your service. Then the king said, is there not still anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God to? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son uh, of Jonathan who's lame in both of his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emil in Lodabar. Then, the king David, then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir and the son of Emil from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, and he answered, here is your servant. David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Amen. You're taking notes today. You can title this message, Coming Out of Hiding. Coming Out of Hiding. Lord, I just thank you right now for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from God. And Lord, I just pray that you would use me to speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Coming out of hiding. You know, I don't know about you, but growing up, I was a daredevil. There was really not a whole lot that I wouldn't try or I wouldn't do. If you wanted, if, 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 if somebody, there was something dangerous to be done, they would dare me to do it because I was just that. Now, here's what's awesome is, is that my son is not a daredevil. My son, he's pretty chill. He's one of those guys that like, and, and I love this about him because he has a lot less injuries because of it. But, 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 but he just kind of sits back and he, he's smart. That's the reason. He's smart and he, he looks at what other people are doing. And if, they're, if they don't do the thing and end up losing an arm or something, then he may think about doing it. But I was not that way. I was all in. Like I, I was going to be the first one off. I was doing anything. Like it was, there were some things that my dad let me do. And I'm like, what were you think? Like we used to go and jump off 50 foot cliffs at the lake when I was like 13 years old. Yeah. And my dad's like, cool, go for it. I'm like, what? I would never let my kid, come on. 
parenting is a lot different nowadays, right? And so, um, hey, if you survive, you, it's good for you. But, uh, but, but here's the thing is, is that I used to do all kinds, if there was a roof to be jumped off, I was jumping off of it, right? If there was, we would build ramps, come on, BMX, and we would jump BMX bikes all the time, try to do backflips. Why not? We've seen it on TV, lend on my head. It's okay. I'm totally fine. Shake it off, right? Get up, rub some dirt on it. You're good. And, uh, you know, but here's the thing is, is that I have a lot of, I've had a lot of injuries and you would think that I got those injuries from doing crazy things, but I didn't. I wish they were like my scars were something cool that I could tell a story like, oh yeah, you see this scar? I was swimming with sharks in Australia. Nope. Don't have a cool scar like that. That's awesome that you did. My, my scar, I have one over here, uh, my left eye or yeah, I think that's my left eye. I have one because I was walking through my house and I tripped over my mom's wicker rocking chair. Manly. And, uh, as I was going down my eye and her octagon shaped coffee table met and it opened up my eye and I had to get a bunch of stitches. Come on, that's a story for you. Isn't that exciting? Well, I have a bunch of scars around my mouth because I was sitting uh, at my grandparents' bar stool and I was leaning back. You should never, just so you know, kids, don't lean back in a bar stool. Not a good idea. I was leaning back in the bar stool and the bar stool went over and I went with it. And, and I hit my mouth on the concrete and it split all the way back. They had to sew the inside of my mouth and my bottom teeth went through my lip. Yeah. It's awesome, right? I mean, that's not a cool story, right? It's just not. I have, a, I have scars all over that are from just ordinary things, not anything spectacular, but just ordinary everyday Things. Now, I grew up with a dad who is an awesome dad. I love him. He's incredible. But one thing that he doesn't have is a lot of compassion. In fact, most of the time, whenever he would hear, come on, what every parent knows in this place, you hear the thud, right? And, you, and then all of a sudden, it usually takes a few seconds before you hear the screams, right? Because the pain has taken their breath away and they can't even get out the scream. And, and as soon as he would hear the screams of pain, you would think my dad would run to me and say, son, I'm here for you. Let me love you and care for you and take care. No, no, not my dad. My dad's first words out of his mouth, he'd hear the thud, the scream. He'd say, don't bleed on my carpet. makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> Don't bleed on my carpet. I had a grandpa and he, he's tough as nails. I mean, like he really is. He's, the, the, he's just so tough. We call him Pappy. And uh, Pappy, uh, if I got injured around Pappy, he would look at whatever it was. Didn't matter what it was. It could be bleeding. It could need stitches. He would look at it and he would say, I've had worse scratches on my eyeball. <laughs> Thanks, Pap. Yeah. Worse scratches on my eyeball. Didn't matter what it was. Crystal, when we first got uh, married, I would say these things to her because that's what I grew up around, right? So she thought I was a huge jerk until she got around my family and realized that I came by it honestly, right? I say these things whenever an injury happens because I've been around it all of my life. It's something that's been said to me over and over and over again, so it naturally comes out. And any time that I was hurt or anything, I just didn't say anything. 
And I think that a lot of people have grown up in, in places like that. You know, you kind of grown up around people that might say something similar to that. You might not say that kind of thing. Maybe you grew up in a really loving home. Cool, whatever. But, but most of us have grown up around that. And what we end up doing is that we take those principles that don't bleed on my carpet and that I've had worse scratches on my eyeball. We take those sayings and those, those things and we apply them to every injury that occurs in our life. And we apply it not just to the physical ones, but the emotional ones too. We say this, we're like, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to bleed on anybody's carpet. I'm not going to say anything, even though I'm wounded and even though I'm hurt, I'm not going to say anything because I know somebody has it worse than I do. So who am I to say anything? So what we do is, is we end up bottling these things up. We end up closing ourselves up, off. We just say this, you know what? I'm just going to pull back and I'm just going to, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention it. I'm just going to sit here in, in my pain and with my wound. But here's what's amazing is, is that while physical wounds will heal emotional wounds we can carry for a lifetime. And a lot of us think that isolation will help us, but actually isolation makes us sicker. Isolation actually makes things worse. We isolate ourselves because we want to protect ourselves. We build a wall around the wounds because we never want to be hurt like that again. You know, you have things as you go on in life and, and friends that were with you, they were your ride or dies. They're your best friends. You know, these are the people that are with you and you thought they'd be with you forever and they betray you. And it causes a wound. Maybe a spouse that you love with all your heart, you find out they had an affair. And it causes a wound. Maybe someone close to you died sun- suddenly and were wounded. And we sit back and we have all of these things. Maybe words were said that cut you absolutely to the core and it's something that you've carried. Now you have this insecurity that you carry with you because you have an emotional wound and you've built a wall around yourself and you've isolated yourself to try to protect yourself. And the reason why you do this is, is because it's a completely natural reaction. We would rather not have relationships than be hurt like that again. And yeah, you, I know you have, you're, you're all sitting here going, yeah, I got friendships. Yeah, I'm not saying that people don't get a piece of you. I'm just asking this question, do they get all of you? Not the one that, come on, not the clean, pressed you, everything's okay, our marriage is perfect, our kids are perfect, everything is just, we never argue, we never fight. I'm not talking about that you. That's the church you. That's the hypocrite you. I'm talking about the real you. The one that doesn't have it together. Huh? The one, the one that, 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 they're, that maybe they're, they're arguing and they're fighting a lot in their marriage. Maybe, maybe, maybe the you that's struggling in, in your job. Maybe the you that's struggling in your friendships. Maybe the you that's struggling. See, that's the part that we isolate. That's the part that we build a wall around because I don't want to let anybody know because they may hurt me again. What you need to know, though, is that God has always intended for you to be around people. 
We say, we say over and over again that we're better together because the reason why we say that is because we really believe it. In fact, God, God believed it so much that he, looked, he created Adam in the beginning. In Genesis, he creates Adam. And he looks at Adam and he goes, it's not good for man to be alone. And maybe you're alone. Yeah, you got people around. You can be, have people around you and be alone. You can have people all around you and be completely alone. And the truth is, is that God is looking at you saying, it's not good for you to be alone. It's not good. It's not good for you to isolate yourself. The reason why is because you need to know that if you ever come out of hiding, if you ever say, you know what, I'm going to open up again. I'm going to, I'm going to tear, I'm going to let these walls down that I built up around. I'm going to, I'm going to stop isolating myself. If you ever do that and you get into a community where you can say, you know what, I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. Let me just tell you, if you've come looking for the perfect church, you ain't found it because there's a lot of people here that have issues. Trust me. I know them. They got issues. And the reason why I can say that is because I got things too. Nobody here is perfect. And what the enemy wants you to believe is that you're the only one that struggles. You're the only one that has that issue. Come on. You're the only one that's been divorced. You're the only one that's lost a loved one. You're the only one. And all of these lies begin to pour in. And we think, well, if I'm the only one, I just need to suffer quietly by myself. And so quietly we sit, and quietly we build walls. And the more unhealthy we become. Life change happens in community. In fact, James 5.16 says this. I love this passage of scripture. It says, admit your faults, because you all got them, to one another. And pray for one another, because I need prayer and you need practice, so that you may be healed. See, that's God's goal, is not for you to act healed, but for you to actually be healed. That's, that's God's goal all along. And here's what it says. It says, admit your faults to one another, so that you can be healed. Here's the deal is, you need to understand that life change happens in circles, not in rows. And that hurts my feelings a little bit because I preach here week in and week out. But let me prove it to you. So uh, I could probably, as y'all are walking out, I could probably ask you, all right, if you've been coming to the church for a while, I could say, hey, I want you to name five messages that I've preached that have changed your life. And most of you'd be like, "Uh, I don't even remember what you preached last week. Right? Some of you are like, oh, I can name, good for you. Star by, that's awesome. I I hope you, I really do hope you remember my messages. But but here's the thing is, is that that most of us can't name the five messages. Maybe a lot of you would probably struggle to name two. Maybe you don't come to this church. Well, what about your pastor? Can you name five messages that he's preached that changed your life? Probably not. But if I ask you, name five people that have impacted your life, you could name them off like that. Why? Because God has never intended you to do life alone. And that you really are better together. And people are what change you. Here's the thing is that messages on a Sunday will encourage you and they'll equip you. But it's community that will change you. And as we begin to open ourselves up and we say, you know what? I I don't have it all together. I need help. 
in my life, God begins to do something on the inside of us. But here's the thing is, is if we let pain from our past isolate us, it will keep us from a few things. And I'm just going to give them to you real quick. If you want to, if you're taking notes, you can jot them down. Pain for our past and these emotional wounds will pull us away from people. I mean, they really do. It begins to pull us away from people. Galatians 6.2 says this, Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. That is the law of Christian love. Carry one another's burdens. We all have burdens, right? We all have things. We all have issues. And the Bible says this, carry one another's burdens. Carry one another's burdens. You know, Belgium horses are the strongest horse on the planet that we know of. And they're, they're truly uh, amazing animals. In fact, one Belgium horse by itself can pull 8,000 pounds. That's a strong horse. 8,000 pounds by itself. But they can link up two Belgium horses, and you would think, come on, I'm not a, no math genius, but I would think 16,000, but that's not the case. Two Belgium horses linked together can pull 24,000 pounds. Wow. It's incredible pull 24,000 pounds, but it gets a little more interesting because two Belgium horses that know each other, right? They've had some conversations. They're friends, Facebook friends. (laughs) Hit me up on Twitter. What? Two Belgium horses that know each other can pull 32,000 pounds. Right? It's incredible. But two Belgium horses that know each other for a long time. Come on. Come on. Been together for a long time. They've, I'm talking about through thick and thin, like been together. We've been rolling together. Come on. In good hay seasons and in bad hay seasons. We've been together. Come on. Me and you, you've got a friend in me. Two of those guys or girls put together have set a record and they pulled 50,000 pounds. Here's the thing. The Bible says this, that if one can put a thousand, two can put... 10,000. The math doesn't add up, but what the Bible is telling us this is that you are not meant to carry your burdens alone. You're not meant to carry the pain. You're not meant to carry the hurt. You're not meant to carry it on your own. And there's some of you out there that you've been trying to shoulder it all by yourself and you think this, I just need to be better. I just need to read my Bible more. I just need to work a little harder. I just need to put a little more effort into it. I just need to strengthen myself and push a little harder. And the truth is, is that God saying this. No, you don't. You just need somebody to help carry the burden. You need somebody that will link arms with you and say, you don't have to do this all by yourself. And as you begin to form this relationship, it doesn't happen overnight, but as you begin to form this relationship and community and you become friends, all of a sudden you begin to, you begin to be, become closer and closer. And you used to could just pull a, a 24,000 pounds, but now, man, 50,000 ain't nothing, baby. God says this, carry one another's burdens. The thing is, is that we live in a fallen world. Burdens happen to everybody. Issues happen. Wounds happen. Hurts happen. The Bible says this, that it rains on the just and the unjust. We need one another to 
carry each other's burdens. Second thing our wounds will try to do is they'll try to isolate us and remove us from our purpose. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, encourage and comfort one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Therefore, encourage and comfort one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You know, the thing is, is that you have a purpose and you have a calling. We were uh, outside the other day and we had a, a flock of geese fly overhead and uh, we're, we're out in the country now and so it's awesome. You know, we get, we get to see all these geese and they're flying. In the city, you don't see that stuff very often, but, but they're flying overhead and, and I'm just watching them because they're just, they're awesome. And they land out in the field and then they fly off again. And, and I got to noticing something that these geese would begin, they wouldn't do it all the time, but they'd begin to honk. Right? Y'all have heard them, right? They're flying along and that's my best goose impression. I think it's pretty good. What do you say? Like, is it pretty? Uh, yeah. But anyways, they're honking, they're honking along and I thought, well, they're just chatting, you know, just talking about the weather or whatever. No, but what I found out is this, is that the reason why they honk is because they can sense when the goose in front of them is struggling. They can sense because the goose in front of them will begin to waver. And as this goose begins to waver, all of a sudden they can sense this and they begin to honk to encourage them to push on, to keep pressing, to move on. Now, here's what's incredible, though, is that there are stuff that happens. There's injuries that occur along the way. Sometimes uh, the, uh, a goose gets sick or whatever. Well, he's got to go down. Like, he's going into a field. I can't carry on. I can't move on anymore. They don't just say, see you, Randall. We're all, we're, we're, we're. <laughs> You'd think that's what I'd do, right? I'd be like, deuces, I'm going to south, baby. But, but here's the thing is that they don't do that. What they do is as soon as a, a goose gets sick or injured or something happens, what they do is, is that three of them will fly down with that goose. And they just sit. They just sit and wait until it, it, it's healed. They just sit and wait until it's been repaired. They just sit and wait until it's better. And then they look for another flock to come overhead. And then all of them will join that other flock. And here's the thing is, is that you got to understand that you need people. And I'll tell you this, that your purpose in life is not about you. I know you think it's about you. I know you think it's about your pain. It's your hurt. It's my issues. Nothing's going right. Everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. Come on, I'm going to eat some more. You're, you're thinking all of that stuff, but the truth is, is God has put people around you, not just to encourage you, but so that you could encourage them because they're wavering. They're having issues. They got things going on in their life and they're, they're sitting back and they're going, will anybody just encourage me? Will somebody cheer me on and if you'll just come alongside them and understand that my purpose in life is to encourage you through my pain through my hurt through my difficulty even though nothing not everything's going right in my life I can encourage you to keep pressing on to keep pushing forward that's isolation will keep you from that purpose because you think it's just about me Third thing that it keeps you from is it keeps you from a relationship with God. 
Wounds from our past have a tendency to push us away from God. Because what happens is a lot of people think this, I was wounded, tragedies happen, things happen to us in our life, and we immediately blame God for that pain. The reason why is because we think that God caused it. We think that God brought it about, but the truth is the Bible says that the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So God didn't cause the tragedy, but what God does is he can redeem the tragedy. He's so good at turning around bad things for our good that we blame him for the bad. And here over and over again, we'll see people do this. They'll walk out and they'll say, God, you caused this. But I'm here to tell you right now that God did not cause the pain. God did not cause the tragedy. But I can tell you this, that he can redeem it. I've seen it too many times. I had some people that we know. Marriage was headed for divorce, affair after affair after affair, lie after lie, pain, hurt, wounds. And man looked in and said, there's no way. There's no way. I looked in and I said, there's no way. But God said, I can redeem that. If you bring your pain, you bring your hurt to me, bring that shattered marriage to me, I can heal it. So now then, what they've done, instead of isolating themselves, instead of pulling themselves back, instead of acting like they don't have issues, now then, time after time after time, they're counseling couples whose marriage is struggling. And they're seeing one marriage healed and another marriage healed because God can redeem it. He didn't cause it, but he can redeem it. Don't let your pain isolate you from a God who loves you. And he can redeem that pain. In the beginning, we read a story about Mephibosheth. You thought I forgot. This is a, any, any parents looking for a name for their kids, I feel like Mephibosheth is a godly biblical name. Daniel, come on. Just kidding. It could be a boy or girl, doesn't matter. Mephibosheth. But here he is, and you have to understand that he's a grandson to the former king. But he gets wounded. Says this, that he's lame in both of his feet. And his wounds land him in a town called Lodabar. Now what you need to know is this, that Lodabar means no communication and no word. No communication and no word. So here Mephibosheth is. He once had had an awesome life and now all of a sudden he's wounded and he's isolated. No communication, no word. I'm wounded and I'm isolated. But what he didn't know is sitting in the place where he was wounded, sitting in the place when he, where he was isolated, a king heard about his pain. A king heard about his hurt. 
And what that king did was he began to make ways to call him out. And what he did was, is he sent people. And he said, I heard about Mephibosheth. I heard about his pain. I heard about his hurt. And I heard about his isolation. So I want you to go to him. And I want you to call him out of isolation. And I want you to bring him to me. And I want you to heal him. I want you to rebuild him. I want you to restore him. Now, what you need to know this, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what pain you've been through. I don't know how long you've been isolated. But I know that there is a king. And that king has heard about your hurt. And you're sitting around and you're praying and you're saying, God, help me. I need your help. And he is sending you people. And those people are all around you. And their goal is to heal you. Their goal is to rebuild you. Their goal is to restore you, to bring you back to your former glory. you got to know that God wants you in relationships so that you can be healed. Restored once again. That's the reason why we do community. That's the reason why it's time for you to come out of hiding. At the Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you'd like to contribute financially, you can go online to thechurchrc.com slash giving. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at thechurchrc.com.